Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Care Beautiful podcast. I have been speaking the last few days about the healing of Jairus' daughter, the resurrection of Jairus' daughter, and the healing of the woman with the flow of blood. So we've gotten to the point in the story where Jesus has just come and asked all of the mourners who have assembled because Jairus' daughter has died. He said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him, or in some translations, they mocked him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, which we know from earlier in the story was Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was. Okay, so again, it's like the people who are not on board with what Jesus is doing, they don't get to stay and see the resurrection. (laughs) It's kind of like, if you do not have the faith, you need to go out. I think there's also though something that's just really sweet and intimate about saying healing doesn't have to be done in front of a bunch of people. That healing is really, it's a, it can be a private thing. And so to have all of these raucous, you know, emotionally exuberant people not be in the room <laughs> for this tender moment is, it's just another sign of how precious Jesus is. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. <laughs> it's so precious. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Oh, I'm actually just going to finish reading it. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, how beautiful you are. Oh, okay, so first of all, he says to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. And, you know, he could have said a bunch of things. He could have said, live. <laughs> or, I don't, I don't know. There is, so this idea of just kind of like, it, that's enough lying down, it's time to get up. It, it's, it's like, what you maybe would expect a mother to say like, okay, you've slept in long enough, time to get up. And so it's, that's beautiful. And then there's this really precious detail that isn't revealed until this moment that here we have another daughter (laughs) and she's 12 years old. So you have this woman who had had the flow of blood for 12 years. And now you have this daughter who is 12 years old and she's also being resurrected. She's coming into a new life that the, that sense of like the, the woman with the issue of blood was called daughter. This actual daughter that we're seeing with her parents is called little girl, but she also is a daughter and she also is being called into the next part of her life. It's, it's a very beautiful um, connection here with the two different healings. At this, they were completely astonished. (laughs) Oh, and I think this is part of why I'm like, yeah, I don't think Jairus was entirely clicking when Jesus was like, don't be afraid, just believe. Because I don't think he really had much expectation for to be that astonished. But it also could just be that on some level, you're kind of like, okay, I've seen people do CPR. I mean, this would be the modern context, right? Like, okay, if her heart just stopped, we just need to pound on her heart for a little while. We can make this happen. But no, I mean, it's so simple that he just goes and he holds her hand and is like, okay, time to get up. Oh, so yeah, they're completely astonished. 
he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And okay. (laughs) I think this is adorable, quite frankly. Like, what are they going to say? Um, just kidding, all y'all who are mourning. Never mind, she's fine. Have a good rest of your day. Nothing to see here. I mean, what is he actually thinking is going to happen? Why? What? <laughs> it's like the most not going to be followed instructions ever. It could be that there's a level of, for himself, like, I recognize that this is going to increase my fame and notoriety quite a lot and I don't necessarily want that to happen and we get that throughout the gospels that Jesus was not seeking to build his platform and make it larger (laughs) he was already being moshed pit by large mobs of people so the idea of like and he also raises people and you know come and call him and he'll come to you and do it for you too oh you can imagine how he was not super eager to have that spread throughout the entire region And yet, it's also just a little bit charming how not realistic that specific instruction would be. And then how it ends, and told them to give her something to eat. And, you know, I was, when I was thinking about communion some time ago, last year, and thinking about all of the passages where God comes and feeds man. And more than just, you know, he's made this earth so that it grows and produces seed and seed time and harvest will never cease as long as the world keeps going. I mean, beautiful passage, but but I mean really specifically, like then the Israelites were in the wilderness and he sent them manna from heaven. Then 5,000 people came to listen to Jesus and he broke some bread and some fish and handed it around and they were all fed. Uh, You think just that then... Elijah was dealing with this extended drought and the famine that resulted. And first the birds brought him food, but then when the creek where he was hiding dried up, then he went to the widow's house and the the oil and the flour just never ran dry. And so there's these beautiful passages of people being supernaturally fed. But then there's also just the passages of Jesus naturally feeding people, whether it be after going on the road to Emmaus, where he just blesses the bread that the the people have provided for him. But even here, it's like when somebody has been sick for a long time, when they finally start feeling better, it's like, oh, I'm actually hungry. And so that sense of like, I recognize that she's been sick, but she's going to need to eat. She needs to rebuild her strength. It's so practical, but it's also so like Jesus, who's just always feeding, you know? Oh, Lord, I just am thankful for that. I'm thankful, Lord, for how how kind you are, for how you replenish us and you restore us, and that you're so practical. Lord, I think, wow, it's so supernatural. You just heal this girl by taking her hand and pulling her up, but then you're so practical that it's not like, okay, have a good rest of your day. But it's like, wait, remember the care, the care instructions. <laughs> remember to feed her. She's going to need some food. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Ah, and so as I've been telling this story, this is, it's so beautiful. And over these last five messages, including this one, um, every time I start one of them, I'm like, Lord, I'm not entirely sure how this fits in with kind of like make prayer beautiful as kind of like specific prayer instructions. And yet there's an element of saying, Oh, Lord, we come to you 
sometimes with something that is dying and then that actually dies and we want you to resurrect it. And sometimes we come to you with an entrenched problem that we've been waiting for you to heal or that we've been waiting for someone to give us a solution. And finally we come to you and it just is fixed in an instant. Lord, thank you. And Lord, I'm asking that as we look at these stories, that we would take from them the encouragement that we need. Lord, I think sometimes when we look at your instantaneous healings in the Gospels, we have a sense of like, why has that not happened for me? (laughs) I prayed in faith. I really thought I was believing for that miracle or for this healing. And so, Lord, I'm asking that we would not be offended by the ways that our lives don't match these stories. I'm asking, Lord, though, that when we read them, that we wouldn't hold back from saying, Lord, I'm asking you to do that again. Lord, I think about in my own life, the people that I have loved who have died, and some of them far more prematurely than we would have hoped or expected. And Lord, I suspect that that would be the case for pretty much everybody who listens to this. So Lord, for all of us who face that sense of like, oh, that didn't go quite the way I wanted. I was really hoping for a more gyrus experience or better yet for the woman with the flow of blood who just didn't have to go through death first. Like that would have been really nice. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be offended by the ways that you haven't chosen to answer specifically like this story. But then Lord, I'm asking that you would grow our faith that we would be able to say, if you did it before, you can do it again. And we ask that you would. We ask that you would do it again in this generation. Lord, I'm asking that you would... (laughs) Oh man, Lord. I'm asking that there would be additional miracles that start coming forth from this community. I'm asking that there would be additional faith that rises up, that we actually would be able to say, we don't want to be like that one who laughed him to scorn. Oh, they would have missed a miracle if he had listened to them. We want to be like Jesus, who was like, no, this is not over yet. I'm going in there. I carry life and I'm going in. Lord, I'm asking that we would let you into the places where we need the life. I'm asking that you would be releasing in power the faith and the hope and the healing that you carry. Lord, I'm asking that we would be people who surround ourselves with the believing community that says we recognize what Jesus is able to do. And I thank you, Lord, that this is who you are, that your name itself means God heals, God saves, and that this is what you do because it's your identity and you can't help yourself because it's so much a part of who you are. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. There is no one like you. We worship and adore you. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen.